0: Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m. And you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all. I want to add my own welcome to you on this beautiful spring morning. I imagine that you all know what it feels like to have someone tell you something that's really important and really hard to hear. There can be something that we really need to hear, it's important, it's good for us, but on the other hand, it's so hard to receive. It's a tough word. The Bible tells us that wounds from a friend can be trusted but it doesn't make those wounds any less painful. The truth can hurt. The truth can hurt us even if it's delivered tenderly and compassionately, because we don't like to have our shortcomings, our failures, our foibles exposed. It makes us feel ashamed or angry or defensive. But we know deep down that we actually really need those trustworthy friends who are good enough friends to come and tell us the tough stuff, the stuff we need to hear even though it hurts. The Apostle John wrote letters to the churches that he had planted in Ephesus, and these churches were dear to his heart, but he needed to tell them some tough stuff. It was because of his love and care for them that he didn't hold back, but he told them things that he knew they needed to hear. And these letters are filled with stark language and uncomfortable truths. But John cared deeply about these churches, deeply enough to share this truth so that as his friends in these churches read the letters, Not just that they would feel bad about themselves, but they would be moved to make some changes, some changes in their lives, changes in their church, so that they might adjust to the life that God was inviting them to live into. And these adjustments, we'll see, were not not just minor tweaks. Some of these changes involved taking on a whole new mindset, developing a whole new culture within these churches in that time last week we began our look into John's first letter, the book of the Bible we call 1 John. And in this letter, we heard John insist to his friends that to have fellowship with God, to stay close to God, means that, that we are walking in the light, because God is in the light. So if we're close to him, we're going to be bathed in God's light. John tells his beloved churches that as as they walk in the light, because Christ is in the light, they will find that their relationships with God deepen, they'll see each other in God's light, and they'll find themselves cleansed and purified by the blood of Jesus himself. John tells his readers that a life marked by new life in Christ is a life of light. And he says it's also a life of love. As John makes it clear in much of this letter, 1 John, in fact, John uses the word love 27 times in this relatively brief letter. Love seems to be an important concept and theme for John. He uses the word love 39 times in his gospel, which is more than twice as any other gospel writer as they wrote their accounts of Christ. John we're told is this disciple of Jesus, this friend of Jesus, who for some reason or other is the one called the the disciple particularly loved by Christ. And so we see that John, as he finds himself awash in this belovedness, he comes to learn the ways of love. He understands that he is loved. He learns how to love. And so it's no surprise that he instructs others in the way of love. Christ came as the embodiment of God's love for us and showed us what real love looks like. And so John, as one who was loved, taught the way of love to his readers and to us. I'm sure that John clearly remembered the night when his master and teacher, Jesus, as they were gathered around a table in an upper room to celebrate the Passover meal, told them and taught them these words that Stephen has read for us. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. In 1 John chapter 4, we read this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. Earlier in this letter that John wrote to the churches he had planted, he told them that that God is light and that light comes from God. And so the people of God were to be marked as people of light. And so in a similar way here, John insists that since God is love and since God is the source of love, his people will be marked by love. It's going to come dripping off of them. God's people will find themselves saturated in God's love that will squeeze out even as they come under pressure. And last week, we saw that John linked these two themes of light and love, telling his, his readers that if they want to know whether they're living in the light, just look at their lives and see, are you, live, are you loving your brother and sister? Because that's what it means to walk in the light of Christ. So John talks a lot about love. He gives a lot of instructions and even commands to love. But he actually doesn't do much in the way of describing what he means by love. And this might present some challenges for us, especially as English speakers, who might find ourselves saying that we love a certain TV show and a bowl of chili and our children all in one sentence. Instead of defining what love is and what it isn't, instead John decides to paint some pictures for us. He shows us what love is. John writes, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so I want you to listen to how closely that passage echoes what John had written earlier in chapter 3 of this letter, where he says, this is how we know, this is how we can see what, God, what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And 1 John 3.16 might remind us a lot of John 3.16, as John writes in his gospel, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So like I said, John's pretty big on love. It's a recurring theme. And if we look at what he writes, if we listen to his words and look at the pictures that he paints for us as he describes what love does, I think we can see a theme bubble to the surface of all that he shares with us. And that theme is sacrifice, sacrifice sacrifice. According to John, we learn what love is by looking at what God did for us because God loves us. And we see that what God has done for us is to sacrifice, to do whatever it takes, to not hold anything back, to rescue us in our sin and death, to save us because God loves us. Bible scholar and commentator Dr. Gary Burge puts it this way, God's love is what initiated the sending of Jesus. We enjoy not only the love of Christ but also God's hidden passion for humanity visibly expressed in Jesus Christ. It's not that Christ alone is our ally working on our behalf to placate an angry God, it is God himself who loves us, who is devoted to us. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5:19, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. So clearly, as we look at how John paints these pictures of love, we see that he doesn't think it's just some sentimental feeling. It's not the kind of romantic love we might experience that we we sense releases a swarm of butterflies into our stomachs that has us daydreaming. This is a sacrificial love. The kind of love that's rendered in the New Testament by the Greek word agape. A love that's not rainbows and unicorns and cupids, but is sacrifice and devotion and tenacious commitment. It's a love that's deep and serious and powerful enough actually to transform the other, not just to woo that person. John writes, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So since God loved us, so because, but also as God has loved us, we are called to love one another. John says we're called to love each other God style. But how do we do that? If we look at God's love for us as this outpouring of sacrifice the means to our atonement and rescue, how can we love that way? We recognize that we can't save anyone from their sins or from death and recognize that only God can do that. We can't be anyone's Messiah. We can't send anyone a Messiah. But if we're to take our cues on love from God, how do we do that within our very human limitations? And given our opportunities, it's possible that someday we might be able to to make the ultimate sacrifice and lay down our life on behalf of someone, but perhaps that's less probable. So how do we do this? How do we love as humans, God style? Well, Jesus actually came to show us exactly that. Yes, Jesus demonstrated his love by laying down his life for us. But he also demonstrated the way of life that looks like loving sacrifice every day. And he did this with his disciples. He demonstrated love when he was in the upper room with them on the night when he was betrayed. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. Later that night around the table, Jesus would tell his friends, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And so yes, we might have an opportunity to, to lay down our lives. We might have an opportunity to wash someone else's feet. But we might have opportunities that come more frequently as well to demonstrate this kind of love. As we look at the teacher and learn from the master and see that he went from one friend to the next that night with a wash basin and towel, as he went even to the feet of Judas, his betrayer. And in that act, Jesus demonstrated that love doesn't mean always having to lay down a once-and-for-all sacrifice. Some sacrifices cost us things other than our lives. Some, sac- some love costs us or seems to cost us our honor, our dignity, our place, our status, our rights, our privilege, our preference, our comfort, our convenience, all of these are things that we might choose to lay aside, to set aside, to demonstrate love for someone else. There's so many ways we might sacrifice willingly as an act of love for another person. We might sacrifice our own opportunities so that someone else might have the same opportunity. We might sacrifice our comfort, our ease. We might choose, like Jesus, to pick up the proverbial or literal towel and do those lowliest tasks that no one else wants to do. We demonstrate that we truly love those around us when we show that nothing is beneath us. I've been quoting Dr. Gary Burge frequently during this series because I've been learning a lot from his NIV application commentary, uh, which I found very insightful and helpful. So let me share one more quote from Dr. Burge today. He writes, John is doing pastoral theology in this letter. And it is linked to the context of division and controversy among the letter's recipients. We saw last week that the John writes letters to these churches that had seen the conflict and division of the outside world creep into their fellowship and begin to divide them as well. Dr. Burge says John doesn't fix blame or lodge exhortations for particular sins involved and committed. And rather than diagnose the source of this conflict, he concentrates on the remedy. And the remedy is not merely a hollow demand that Christians just love each other, but John buttresses this demand to love with a theological affirmation of what makes love possible in the first place, end of quote. So in other words, John isn't just saying that Christians should love one another, because God loved us, because it's the right thing to do. John's saying, actually, Christians can love one another, and therefore, we must. It's the love of God powerfully at work in our lives that makes true, deep, and sacrificial love for each other even an option, even possible. John isn't instructing his beloved churches to simply make some tweaks, some adjustments, to some broken systems that are tripping them up. He's talking about a radical heart and life change. He's pleading with them, love one another that you might be reconciled to each other, just as God reconciled us to himself through Christ through his love, we might be reconciled to each other as well. That we might become a restored and reconciling community. John's guiding his churches into a life of love. And he concludes this section of his letter like this, that no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. God is spirit, and so God can't be seen with human eyes here on earth. But John is saying, if we truly love one another, the people who are watching us are going to see something that's unmistakably the fingerprint of God. In a way, they'll perceive God himself as they see the fruit of what only God's spirit can empower and make possible. They'll see the community of God loving one another, reconciled and restored. They'll see us turn our faces outward to love and be a reconciling force in our community and in the world. They'll look at our community and see in our love marks of deference and humility and sacrifice and genuine care for one another and for those around us. The world watching will see love and it will look a lot like Jesus Christ. Would you join me in prayer? God of love, Thank you for loving us, loving us so much that you sent your only son, Jesus, to rescue us from sin and death. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us what love with skin on really looks like. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding us in the way of love, empowering us to love others as we ourselves have been loved by God. We know we can't do this on our own or in our own power. We know that left to our own devices, selfishness will take over, where love and sacrifice are what you both call for and make possible. God, would you guide us in the way of love, for your glory, and for the good of our sisters and brothers, for the good of the world around us. Amen.